Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker podcast. This is the Cheltenham Festival Antipost preview and I'm your host George Ellick and today I'm joined by two expert guests. First, maybe foremost, Odds Checker's very own tipster Andy Holding. Andy, great to have you here. A man that loves the Cheltenham Festival more than most. Yeah, I've been going since um, I was out with nappies really. I think my dad used to take me when I was uh, sort of four or five, I was in and around the area when uh, Night Nurse, Bird's Nest, Sea Pigeon were there, Pollardstown, all the great champion hurdlers. Uh, the very first Gold Cup I saw was Forgive and Forget. And the only one I've missed, uh, amazingly, was Desert Orchid's Gold Cup uh, when he won in the mud and he beat Yahoo. I was actually um, working in a betting shop that day, amazing, and I couldn't get off time off. Um, of all the ones to miss, it was probably the greatest um gold cup we've ever seen in living memory but i've been there all through all the rest i've been every day since um so yeah it's a very it's a it's a it's a place dear to my heart some great memories there some of my best memories in my life have been there um so yeah we'll we'll talk about those along the way but yeah it's, it's just a fantastic meeting and uh it's it's the one place that, it, that i think all race goers go every year where the blood really does get pumping yeah absolutely and fingers crossed we'll be there together again Come March, um, Ed Quigley also joins us today as well, racing broadcaster and journalist. And Ed, you love Cheltenham so much that you just moved there. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of putting it, isn't it? Yeah, um, kind of. I grew up not far from here. In fairness, uh, lived uh, in and around in and around London for a couple of decades or so, and now yeah, we've come back full circle, and I'm just around the corner from the race course now. But yeah, absolutely, it's, uh, it's, it's as Andy says, it's, it's a magical place. So you'd never be able to change that. It's the as Mick Fitz says, it's where, you know, we, we aspire to have your one winner. If you can get your one winner there, it feels like 100 winners uh, for mm. what it's worth. And um, yeah, yeah, it, it's brilliant. And obviously we're we're three months away, <laughs> but nonetheless, that doesn't stop us talking about it. Well, yeah, on the Odds Checker site, I can see there is a countdown to Cheltenham. 83 days <laughs> and zero hours, three minutes and 19 seconds. <laughs> so it. we are. Love yeah, love that. Yeah. Three minutes and 15 seconds away and 83 days away from the Supreme. And, you know, as we say, fingers crossed, there'll be at least a few people there to see it. Before we get on to the previews, and just to let the listeners and viewers know, we're going to be going through this, not day by day, but kind of we've packaged up the races we're going to preview. So we're going to start with the novice hurdles, then move on to the mares and the triumphs, so stick to the smaller obstacles, then on to the Arkle, the RSA, the Marsh and the Ryanair, then into the four big races of the week, one each day, the champion hurdle, the champion chase, the stays, and then the gold cup. So we've got a jam-packed show for you. We're going to try and get through it in about an hour or so. So we're going to have to rattle through them. So it might not be in detail for every single race, but the guys will certainly fill you in on who they're looking at at this early stage. Before we get into that, we'll have to be quick. But we've both kind of we've all mentioned how we, you know, how much we love the festival, and and we've all got those stories of, of the winners we've backed, and and the, and the you know the 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 heartbreaking losers as well. You know, I backed Duvan back in November before the Supreme, and you know it wasn't even to win that much, but the six months or four months of stress before the race was absolutely unbelievable. And watching the way he won was very special. Similarly, Goshen, my nap last year, um, I don't think I ever ever forget that heartbreak. But Ed, you know, for you first, what's your kind of your, your favourite and maybe the the Cheltenham memory that um that you'd like to forget like to forget oh god there's been a few in there um i don't know yeah one, one that one bad ways one that just sticks in my mind was uh i was on melon at all sorts of prices for the champion hurdle a couple of seasons ago and uh jumping the last i thought I, I mean my heart rate i love to see the old fitbit monitor at that, at that point <laughs> because i thought we got this in the bag and then 
Living Barry Garrity, uh, happily retired now, and uh, Boo there come back and nab him back on the line. I was like, oh, no. Uh, you get moments like that, and it happens. Um, and I suppose the one that people won't let me forget was after uh, Cole Harden won the 2015, uh, what is now Stairs Hurdle, of course. That was um, one of my, my big anti-post tips and fancies, uh, 100 to 1 or whatever. And, um, of course, in the aftermath, I kind of lost lost the plot a little bit in the uh, in the, in the winner's enclosure, etc. And there's... Uh, <laughs> Myself and Warren having a big piggyback around the prey ring, which um, yeah, the racing TV cameras obviously got a lot, got hold of a lot of and uh, used a lot of their promos to embarrass me and stuff. But um, yeah, it, it happens. You got to enjoy the good the good times because there are, from a punting perspective, there are plenty of times where um, you walk out of there and uh, just want to hold your head in your hands. But it, it's uh, nonetheless, it's, it's to say a three to one winner at Cheltenham is the same as a three to one winner at Fakenham. Yet it feels like it means a hundred times more to you, and especially exactly the same when the, when they lose. But yeah, you just cannot beat it. Absolutely, and I think I'd take the um, you know the embarrassment of being filmed piggybacking a hundred to one winner around the around the parade ring for the hundred to one winner. So I'm not giving you any sympathy for that one, Ed. <laughs> uh, Andy, how about you? What the, the highs and the lows? Well, my, my two highs and lows are, are pre odds checker, really. Um, so you'd have to trust me on, on these two. Um, Talking of uh, champion hurdles and great champion hurdles, my fondest memory um, of a horse I backed almost a year in advance was Rooster Booster when he won his champion hurdle. Um, I, I can always, you can always tell in the holding house how the ones that are dear to his heart when he's actually got a, a photo of them. I think when you actually go out of your way to get a picture of them, a painting or, or some kind of um, emotional attachment to them, that then they, they mean uh, quite a bit to you from a financial perspective. And uh, Rooster Booster, I, I backed him when he won or after he won the uh, county hurdle because uh, I was so impressed with the way he went through the race. I thought I think it was in the era where there was the, the champion hurdle was a little bit, um, quiet. I think it was after Easter Brack, and we hadn't really got any absolute champion superstars. And I, I thought if there's one horse coming through, um, it might well be Rooster Booster. So I, I backed him at 33 to one. I only had the one bet. I didn't sort of keep loading up on it like a lot of people do. Um, I, th- I think I had something like 100 quid each way, something in and around that region. Mm. But I had that sort of anti-post voucher in my sort of uh, my office drawer all the way through the, the winter. And uh, obviously he kept doing really well. He won the international. He, he worked his way through into the position where I think he was second favourite on the day. But I mean, the feeling of watching Rooster Booster having backed him at thirty-three to one, to, you know, coming there on the bridle two out, he literally only got to just stand on his feet to win, and then he absolutely uh, charged up the run. And I think I think Simon Holt said, "And there's Rooster Booster turbo charges as he jumps the last." <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was off and away, and that that was a great feeling. So that's probably one of my fondest memories of of just following a particular horse through a season and having a nice price about him. Um, but the, the the worst one was Grand Cru. Um, I, I latched onto him when he won at um, I think he I think he won at Cheltenham in a in a handicap for his first start for for for, for the, uh, the Pike team, and then he went to Haydock and he won that Brush Hurdle final, the one that. Main fact, incidentally, won um, very easily the other day. Uh, and I think I backed him at 10 or 12 to 1 for the stairs because of the numbers. Uh, I actually got in touch with David Pike, funny enough. I went via his website and actually told him, I said, this this horse, I think, is a stairs hurdle horse. <laughs> and he actually came back to me and, and, and gave me his time and, and sort of said, OK, I'll, I mean, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll sort of may, maybe treat him accordingly. And then they ran him in the Cleave Hurdle. He won his Cleave Hurdle, unfortunately. He, he bumped into big bucks on the day. But... Um, that that was a great thrill to going to follow him have have a great anti post bet but unfortunately there was one too good on the day so those are my two sort of 
highs and lows uh, are, are very much a positive and, and are nearly with Grand Cru. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. I'm sure there'll be more stories to come at next year's festival and we're going to try and highlight them now. Maybe this time next year you'll be talking about how you tipped up in 101 winner on the odds checker Cheltenham anti-post preview and it went off whatever price and won. Fingers crossed that's where we're going to be. Before we get to the racing, just going to, as ever, point you in the direction of the odds checker app. Please do download the app now. You'll get the very best prices, which we'll be talking about today, the best bookie offers, the best place terms, as well, and plenty of other things, including free bets, which I know people like quite a lot during the Cheltenham Festival, it's fair to say, and bookies are normally pretty obliging, so do look out for those. As I mentioned, we're going to kick off with the novice hurdles, and this is an area of expertise for Andy. Um, in the Supreme, Bally Adam for Gordon Elliott is the 8-1 to favourite ahead of, sorry, Fernie, uh, Fernie Hollow and, and Bally Adam, the joint 8-1 to favourites, although Bally Adam is as short as five to one elsewhere. That eight to one is with Betfair Sportsbook and Paddy Power. I should mention here as well that, of course, all of these prices are non uh, are not non run no bet. So if you have the bet and the horse doesn't run in the race, you sadly lose your money. Uh, do start sixteen to one. Appreciate it sixteen to one. Twenty to one bar in the Ballymore. <clears throat> we've got uh, Appreciate it is a six to one favourite. Fernie Hollow is fourteen to one. Uh, Bob Ollinger, 16 to 1, alongside Bally Adam and Brave Man's Game. And in the Arbor Bartlett, it is, of course, very open indeed. Uh, Holy Macaponi, 16 to 1. Stargate, 20 to 1. 25 to 1. Make Good and Fakira, appreciate it, and many others. And I guess, Andy, the difficulty here, I mean, you will, with your time figures, have a good steer on which horses are more progressive than others at this early stage. But you've got to be careful. He, you pick the right one because, you know, two, two and a half, three miles it's normally the supreme and the ballymore where you you're, you're kind of just wondering which one they're going to go to oh well this is almost like a, a mid-season report isn't it uh, for mm. want of a better word um we're probably just a, a little bit shy of getting to see that sort of the next wave coming through and and one or two horses have been impressive see what they can do on, on the second or even the third run because we, you know we've got the leopardstown four-day meeting we've got all the christmas stuff uh and then we're on into the into the new year and and, and obviously trials out Cheltenham, etc cetera, etc cetera. but judging everything at face value now the, the only way i can judge them really um is is by sticking obviously figures on them and and, and using that as a guide and and using the evidence of what's happened in previous seasons for instance the Supreme Novices Hurdle, the time figure that what we uh, award horses for winning a Supreme Novices Hurdle is something in and around a, a rating of 75. I think the last, I think Shishkin got a 77 last year. I think the winner the year before was a 76. It's usually somewhere along the same lines or, or, or slightly below the champion hurdle, which is usually a 78, 79, 80. Virtually most years, a well-run champion hurdle will run to a time figure uh, or an award of around an 80 on our time figures. So judging the, the novice hurdles in the early part of the season, it's quite difficult. None of them have really run in what you would consider a championship environment. So they haven't been able to run to that kind of level yet. But what you can gauge is whether they have shown a reasonable uh, level uh, uh, based on their numbers. Uh, and there are a handful who've run in sort of mid-60 times, Um Bally Adam actually hasn't run a number yet of any great distinction. Um, the, the first of his races at uh, Down Royal, they actually crawled for the first uh, 
two two hurdles and, and then they quickened as well as they went, they went past the stands and then they sort of got into their stride and, and he, he was really good from that point onward, onwards but the royal bond with regards form i'm sure ed will back this up as well i'm sure he, he's done the data as well on, on the day but the, the, the races that was won by bally adam and honeysuckle were an absolute joke they, they've just got no gallop in either of the two races and basically the best horse has won because they've just been the best horse and they've They've shown their class from two out, three out, and and they've won because they're the best. But with regards numbers and and being in an environment which they're likely to encounter later on in the season against the better horses, they're, they're impossible to get excited about. I do like Bally Adam. I think he's a quality horse, but oh, what he's done so far, I'd be reluctant to put him up at twelve at, at eight to one. Um, his top figures are fifty-five. We've only we've had, we have, we've only seen Ferdy Hollow once. He ran to a fifty-eight when he won at Garen doing it quite nicely without hitting the ball out of the park. The one who's clocked a really big number, and I know she's uh, um, good enough for Cheltenham or even even now, and that's she wears it well. Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see her in the Royal Bond. I think we did a, pre- a preview early on yeah. in the season before she was due to run at Fairy House. I think they withdrew her because of the ground. They didn't really want to run her on soft or heavy ground at this time of the season. But she's run to a 71, which is the highest rating we've awarded for a novice either side of the RSC so far today. And the other one I'll throw into the equation as well, and, and when we're talking about value and what, what might turn out to be a decent price um, in, in a few months' time, is a horse called Boot Hill, um, one of Harry Fry's. Now, Harry, this horse ran to a, a big number when he won a bumper last year at Kempton, so straight away I was alerted this horse being able to run at a very, very fast time. Um, he, ran a, he ran a 71 at... Kempton, uh, when he when he beat um, that nice horse of Nicky Henderson's, he ran to a 63 on debut the other day at uh, Taunton. I was told that he wasn't 100% fit either. They were definitely going to that that was just a, a run to blow away the cobwebs. Mm. Um, but he ran a much uh, significantly time quicker than the first division of that two mile main hurdle, and I thought he did it rather easily. He jumped fantastic. He travelled great. Um, and he's 33 to one um, currently. Um, I'd imagine that connections will maybe look to running right-handed again, um, or maybe even tr- try him at Cheltenham um, sooner rather than later. But he, he's a horse that I think could be under the radar and and, and something that UK punters need to have a look at. But the pecking order is very much thought Bally Adams, your Fernie Hollows, your, your your she wears it well. The ones who the sexy names for the big Irish stables. Um, and we'll get to learn a little bit more about them, I think, um, in, at Leopardstown over, over Christmas, because I think there's a good likelihood that at least one or, if not all of them, will run. Boot Hill, 33 to 1 with 888 Sport. She wears it well, 25 to 1, pretty much across the board. And anybody who was interested to learn more about Andy's thoughts on She Wears It Well and a couple of other novice hurdlers, go back and find our Horses to Follow podcast we did a couple of weeks ago, because you touch on a fair few of them there. Um, Ed, your nickname in the industry is Longer Shot Ted's. Some people would say that's a brave man's game, wouldn't they? <laughs> so, see what you did there. Well, Luke Harvey actually calls me Wide Shot Ted after I'm, uh, <laughs> I used to get stuck into the bacon butty fan outside the old at the races offices. But um, yeah, indeed. Um, just very quickly on She Wears It Well, I actually believe she's had a little setback from what I, I last saw. Oh, right, but, yeah. um, Ruby Walsh was interviewed on telly. He said he, he thinks it's just a case of we'll miss Christmas as opposed to anything significant and we'll be back in January. But yeah, I, I look. I come to it a slightly different angle to um, Andy in regards to the, the the waters are very muddy these days, isn't it? I mean, you've only got to look at these anti-post lists and trying to find out, get the horses to the right races to begin with is a mm. is a hard enough plot from putting your anti-post cap on. I mean, 
not only have you got Bally Adam and Fernie Hollow, two of the protagonists, they're both from the same owners. You're going to get owner politics come into it as well in terms of trying to split them up. And I find it quite funny, actually, because you've got uh, Gordon Elliott going, <laughs> oh, yeah, Bally Adam's so quick, definitely a two-miler. And then uh, Patrick Mullins was on his Zoom call the other day saying, oh, Fernie Hollow, definitely a two-miler, so quick, yet yeah, definitely being the Supreme. <laughs> One of them will end up in the Ballymore and win the Supreme. We have this every year, don't we? Yeah. Um, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, going, uh, touching upon your, um, your good little pun there, George, uh, Thank you. I was just coming through the prices. Obviously, I've tipped Brave Man's game at, at 25s for the Ballymore. And coming through the angle of where they're going to run, Paul Nichols has basically said, look, they're going to go to the Chalo Hurdle and then go to the Ballymore. They're going to take the uh, the Denman route, he called it. Now, I know this horse does look uh, your old-fashioned chaser. I mean, he looks uh, a proper, what will what was the RSA or what will be the RSA next year. He looks a proper three-mile chaser in the making. However, He's absolutely wiped the floor with everything uh, in the last couple of races. And last time out, yes, in terms of raw form, actual basis of form, if you like, nothing particularly jumping off the page. But the manner in which he just went through that race at Newbury absolutely pulverised them. Didn't have to come off the bridle at all. And I'm just thinking again through price angles in the fact that he's now into 16s. He's going to the shallow hurdle, which I thought originally was going to probably shape up into quite a strong race with Stargate of Evan Williams penciled in for an Adramal of Tom Lacey. Well, listening to the quotes, they're not too keen on it uh, with Evan Williams and Stargate. They think the race might come too soon. And uh, Adramal, they're considering the Tollworth. So all in all, I think the Chalo Hurdle could really cut up to a three, four runner race like it did a couple of years ago. Well, most years it's, it's, it's often a four or five runner affair. And I think Brave Man's game is going to take a whole load of beating over the same course of distance he had last time out. Soft ground will be fine. And uh, and again, going through a the, the anti-post novice hurdles are an absolute nightmare just to get your horse to the right target. Uh, you've not only got that, you've got the, the choice that uh, some novices are mares as well, as uh, Andy's alluded to. So you've got mares options. And yet when you've got a trainer, I always, you know, you can take trainers' words too much on face value. But when you've got someone like Paul Nichols coming up and saying, look, we'll go here and then we'll go to the Ballymore. I don't see where else he's going to really go. I don't see them dropping him down to two miles and uh, the Albert Barlett wouldn't particularly be a, a race Paul Nichols is madly keen on. And I just thought, yeah, the, the manner in which he did it, just now and again, you see a horse just go through a race, you're like, wow, just the way he did it. Didn't have to twitch a muscle, come off the bridle to win at Newbury last time out. He's back over the same course of distance in, what, 11 days' time. And if he wins the shallow hurdle, then he's he's crashed in his single figures. And I think he's going to go off a short price to win the shallow hurdle. So, uh, yeah, he's um, he's in my, my, my Bally Moore books at the moment, if you like. But um, I, again, I, I really like Bally Adam. I'd like to see him in the Supreme, actually, because I think the fact, as Andy alludes to, that the races he's been in so far have often just turned into a dash over two furlongs shows, despite perhaps his pedigree, he does have a lot of raw speed and good turbo. And so... If you've got that eclectic blend of stamina and speed, that all suits you really well in the Supreme Novices, I think. So I really do like uh, Bally Adam of those at the shorter prices for whichever race he does turn up in. But uh, as far as the Ballymore option goes, yeah, Brave Man's Games, uh, he's on side for me at the moment. Good stuff. Anything on the other part before we move on to the mares and the joke? <laughs> I just wouldn't. I wouldn't give up on. Um, I think Andy's pretty keen on Holy Macaponi, and I, I will yeah. see that horse again soon. But um, I wouldn't give up on at the prices again on Farouk Delen, who absolutely mm. bolted up at Dan Royal two runs ago, albeit in a nothing race, but looked a really nice prospect. And then ran an absolute shocker in the Monksfield Grade Three hurdle last time out, but was fidgety, made all kinds of errors, and was never going a yard. I see subsequently to say the horse is off his feed, etc. And 
it, it clearly just wasn't his running. And I see, I mean, he was into about 14s for the Albert Bartley. He's drifted back out around the 33 to one mark now. And if you forgive a horse one bad run when he wasn't right, uh, I think he could still be a big player. He reminds me a bit of Fury Road. He's in that kind of mould. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if he got back into the picture, uh, shall we say, at, at a big price. Yeah, Farrakh Delane, 33 to 1 with a few firms. There was definitely a fair few people with uh, who are happy with their with their slips backing Farrakh Delane before his debut run uh, for the Albert Bartlett. But 33 to 1 now. Andy, um, Holy Macapony, just a, a quick word. You obviously mentioned uh, mentioned the horse in our Horses to Follow pod. Yeah, I think he's the, the right favourite for the Albert Barlett at this current moment in time. He's he's posted a, a championship time figure already. He clocked a 70 when he won on his hurdling debut. Again, anything that's done as something in and around the 70 mark, straight away I'm like, yep, yeah, that is definitely Cheltenham Horse. I, I have no, because my numbers work so well and they have done periodically over time, I just know the level of what horses are capable of. And if they can do that on their first run, they're right up there. So Holly McApone, <laughs> without shadow of a doubt, is... Um, you know, he's got the Albert Barlett sort of uh, rubber stamped already on him. Um, I think appreciated again, he's the right favorite for the Ballymore. He looked a Ballymore horse, didn't he? The way he just got outpaced late on by Fernie Hollow in the champion bumper last season. Look, he ran perfectly respectably, he was one of my lays of the meeting, but he actually ran a good deal better than I thought he would. I, I just didn't think he'd have the pace and to finish second in, in what looked a stellar uh, season for bumper horses and I, I thought it was a, a creditable effort and the horse that he beat on debut at Cork bolted up next time out back at the same track uh, so that form line's already taken a bit of a mm. boost um, and, and Willie Mullins he's got such a fantastic record in the Ballymore he tends to run his his very best uh, in inverted commas horses in that um, he, he looks the right one at the moment but um yeah, I, th- I think I think we've pretty much covered most of the... Uh, the only one I would throw into the mix, and I'm not sure which route they're going to go down. I think I might have mentioned him again in my horses to follow list. He's irascible. He was down to running the Royal Bond. He's also down to running that grade one um, two-mile race at Leopardstown in, in the next week or two. Um, if Henry de Bromhead runs him in that, I, 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 that certainly would tell you that where he, where he thinks... Cause I mean, that jumping up from a Clonmel maiden hurdle to running in a grade one, that's a big jump for a Henry de Bromhead uh, mm. sort of strategy. Um, and I see that he's, he's he's not even quoted in any of the lists in the Supreme Novices. I think he's one that UK bookmakers, punters, haven't really latched onto yet. And they don't really know how good he is. But look, Henry's put him in two grade ones after winning a maiden hurdle. So, and, the, and his number was very good when he won at Clonmel. So I think he's one that um, we might be hearing quite a bit of uh, post-Christmas. Very interesting stuff. On then to the mares, where Honeysuckle, last year's winner, is the three to one favourite. She went off nine to four for the race last year, beating the odds on Benny De Dieu, who is now seven to one this time with Concertista five to one in between the two. Uh, Dame de Compagne is twelve to one. Roxana, the winner from uh, twenty eighteen, is sixteen to one with Ellie May. Uh, Andy Honeysuckle at three is a bigger price than last year when you know she was taking on the Mullins Hot Pot. Yeah, I mean, Ed's already touched upon, you know, he's kind of like thought process and his way of thinking with regards to anti-post bets. And I think that's what you have to ask yourself when you are placing a bet uh, so far in advance. Am I going to beat the price significantly enough to justify the risk and reward now, uh, i.e. 25 to 1? You've identified the race. You think that's the race. You're backing before the trial. He's then at eight, ten to one shot and he goes further down and he goes off, let's say, five, six. In your head, that's what you're kind of thinking or hoping that 
you, you need to achieve with every anti-post bet. So when you're looking at horses like Honeysuckle, uh, Concertista, three to one, five to one, am I going to beat the book massively significantly or am I better off waiting for the day, looking at the opposition and let's say back in, let's say Honeysuckle, if she's there one piece at seven to four, two to one. I don't think there's a big enough um, angle or there's not enough you know, juice to, to, to suggest that Honeysuckle's a great bet at this stage at three to one, albeit she's the champion um, in that division and she was pretty good considering it was a slowly run race in, in the Hatton's Grace. What I will say is looking at that Hatton's Grace stroke fairy house um, two-day meeting a few weeks back, it was interesting that Concertista ran the day before on the Saturday and just comparing like-for-like like time figures and sectionals, obviously it was a different day and the ground might have been slightly different. Arguably, it should have been slightly quicker on the on the day after than it was on the day before. But that that could be a little bit misleading, especially if they if they realign the her, her, um, hurdles and the, and they realign the the racing line. But just doing a circuit to circuit time when they went past the winning line to winning line, Concertista was ten seconds faster than Honeysuckle when wow. she beat when she beat um, Honeysuckle's stable companion Minella Melody. And she did it without coming off the bridle. She was absolutely electric. Her hurdling was unreal. She snapped back on the bridle at every single point in the race. And Townhead literally just had to nudge her out to go and win very easily. If I was to have a few, let's say, tricky, filthy anti-post bets now... And I know that George Orries have picked up a lot when I've said that. Because you quite like your yeah. gnarly each ways. I do, yeah. The, 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 other, the other way to look at it is that there are several at this point now. You think, well, there's no way that that can be an each-way price on the day. If, if Honeysuckle and Concertista go, both get to the mayors, I think they'll bet seven or four, two to one on the day. I think it'll be yeah. an either-or. It'll be you know a Benedigio-Honeysuckle kind of situation again because I think they're, they're that far ahead of their division that um, perhaps one of them is worth backing now. And Concertista is definitely the value. I think she's five to one, isn't she, top price? Five to one, yeah, with, uh, with bet 365. Yeah. And, you know, she's just got an amazing record at Cheltenham. You know, she's, I think she was second in the, the Mayor's Novice the first year and then and then won it in the next year. Um, I just think she's she's just a brilliant mare. Um, and, and looking at their two comparisons as well, they're very, very fast these times they've run. We've got Concertista running a 72 at Cheltenham. And we've got Honeysuckle's fastest ever time at 73. And that came in that mm. Irish uh, Leopardstown race last year. So there's not a great deal between them either on the pick of their very, when they're at their very best. And I think Concertista is improving at a rapid rate of knots. I think she could overtake Honeysuckle. So my advice to, to listeners now would be to, to back Concertista each way at five to one, because I think you'll be on a brilliant bet on the day. Quantities to five to one to one for Andy. Uh, Ed, do you have anything to add to the mayors or should we go on to the triumph? I, I would I would just slightly disagree, not in Andy's thought process, but in terms of the I, I could easily see Constatista in the champion hurdle. I see Willie Mullin says Constatista's running next week in the Grey One Matheson hurdles against Abacadabras and all the others, Saint Moir. She puts in a big performance against the boys there. They're gonna have to seriously start thinking about uh, switching ranks and uh, like look at the anti post lists again. That could easily happen with Honeysuckle. They could go the Champion Hurdle route. Uh, Roxana, for, I think I saw Dan Skelton saying the uh, owners aren't keen on Cheltenham. They'll probably swerve it. Benny de Dieu is, what, nearly 10? Um, see what I'm saying? This race could cut up massively. I, I, I think, yeah, Constantise is definitely the one to take out of it. But I, I, there's a fair chance she can end up in the Champion Hurdle. I don't think it's too far-fetched. If I'm going to throw one in at a bonkers price, just on the basis, I think the race could cut up. 
uh, indefatigable of Paul Weber, won the uh, Martin Pipe last year. 28 she's to 1. She's 28 to 1. And then again, in a race which I see can cut up, I don't really see where else they go with her. She's up to 151 now, which puts her pretty much level with Constantista, seven pounds behind Honeysuckle. She's kind of up in the higher echelons of the, the kind of mayor's hurdles now. She's 28 to 1. She's 28 to 1 because she's trained by Paul Weber and uh, not NJ Henderson <laughs> or something, to be blunt. That's, it really is, to be blunt. Um, yeah. She's got the course of distance form. And um, they tried her over three miles last time out. And to my mind, the old petrolite came on. So that's kind of ruled out handicaps or a stayers hurdle tilt. So I literally don't see where else they go with her again. She's 28 to 1. Um, and she rocks up on the day. I think she'd be at least half the price in a race, which has the propensity to cut up massively with some of these really classy uh, types, like the Honeysuckles and Constantisas, who could have their eyes drawn to to other targets. But as Andy says, it's a half-time report. There's a lot of imponderables. But yeah, Constantisas, definitely, she's really exciting. And, and, and talking about quickly as well with Constantisa and, and a possible champion hurdle tilt, you have to also organise in your mind not necessarily owners. Obviously, they they they're a, you know a massive um, influence on on where certain horses will go if they're doubly trebly represented in an anti post book. Also, obviously, trainer the trainers might have a huge influence. Obviously, he's got Saint Roy as well as in that, hasn't he? Willie Mullins. Mm-hmm. Um, would he would it be nudging one set of owners to go down one route and and stay in their lane and say, look, we've got Saint Roy in this. I, I'd advise you not to run Constitution. Runner in the easier race, the mares, where we've mm-hmm. only got one to beat. So all these kind of imponderables have to be you know factored into the equation. At OddsChecker, compare the odds from major bookmakers, get expert tips, and place your bets all in one place. OddsChecker. The one-stop betting hub. Download the app now. Play responsibly. Run now to the triumph. I think we're going to have to pick up our pace a bit up because um, if we carry on like this, it's going to be about a three and a half hour podcast and I don't have time for that. Um, on to the triumph now. We've got uh, Zana here is the four to one favourite ahead uh, of Quilixos at uh, 12 to one. Uh, Duffelco and Mon Morale 16s alongside Nasalam, who is also 16 to one. Um, Nasalam is an interesting runner here, I would say. I'm intrigued no end but anyway Andy come to you first here looking at looking at the triumph who takes your fancy this stage yeah I mean again I don't want to bore everyone with um too many numbers because I'll I'll just be just churning out numbers left right center I've been looking at it going well what does that mean what's the 65 (laughs) what 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 what?" but what I'm trying to tell you is that exactly yeah I'm trying to give everyone a a rough idea of what the numbers I'm saying horses have done in comparison to what previous winners have done so it, it puts um, puts a little bit more flesh on the bones. Um, it gives you more of an objective view, let's say. Um, the fastest time we've ever recorded, or the, fa- the fastest um, um, ho- juvenile we've we've ever come across is our Connor. Our Connor ran to a 74 uh, when he won the, the triumph. We've never awarded a, a juvenile before then or afterwards anywhere near as high as 74. Until it pops Zana here the other day when it won at um, Fairy House. And lo and behold, he hit exactly the same speed figure, 74, which is quite extraordinary, really, considering he did it without breaking sweat. Um, the, 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 I know the Mullins camera absolutely dumbfounded by um, the way that their horse in that race got beat. That that was supposed to be their number one juvenile, Saint, um, Saint Sam, was it? Um, the, the Joseph O'Brien horse, Druid's uh, Alter, who'd uh, won a uh, first time out on, on heavy ground. He was well fancied as well. And that got beaten, you know, half the length of a cricket pitch and, and more. Um, 
And if you look at the, I think I think Racing TV have done this as well. They did a, a comparison, didn't they? Like for like, Bally Adam, Honeysuckle, and they did the split screens with with Zana here, and you could just see how far Zana here was ahead of. Uh, all those other horses, which is a little bit of a red herring in some respects because those were so slowly run. It made Zanahir mm. look brilliant. But the overall figures for Zanahir were just spectacular. Um, and we won't see a faster juvenile pre-Cheltenham. There's no other horse that will run a 74 prior to Cheltenham. So if you're thinking about something sneaking up on the rails and, oh, this is going to do a big number, he'll go to Cheltenham with the fastest time in the back in the bank. Um, whether we've got something that might improve above and beyond what we've already seen over this side of the RSC and, and sort of close the gap a bit. Um, it remains to be seen because we've got lots of trials to, to flow under the under the water so far. But none of them, for instance, Duffelcoat, he's run a 64. Uh, Yumador, the Mullins horse, 63. Uh, Mon Real, when it won at Doncaster the other day, a 60. Quixios, 57-42. Um, Nassalan 46.53 and Adagio 61. Mm-hmm. So you can see that you know the very very quickest ones at, 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 up up to now are Duffel is Duffelcoat, Yumdor 64. So that 74 is just you know a, a, a massive streets ahead, and you yeah. can see why he's four to one favourite. Would he be backing at fours? Um, I'd like to I'd like to sit here smuggling, look at you, and say I'd already backed him at a bigger price, but unfortunately. <laughs> I did that. It took me two days to do the time figure and do all the all the work on the race. And by the time that I'd done it, the price had gone down from I think it was tens in the aftermath, and I think then about three or four days after, it was half the odds. So mm. in that period of time, me doing the work and, and catching up with the ratings, the price had gone. So the, the quick answer to you is no, I haven't backed him already. But four to one, it's the right favourite. You could argue actually on based on my numbers, he should be two to one. <laughs> What if I told you that one of us has uh, has an open bet on Saint Sam from before that from before that race, having having, having been told that he couldn't get beat? Um, yeah, well, so, exactly. You that, you know, yeah. you had the same information I did. They they really thought that that Saint Sam was uh, a different class, and and this is out of here just bat, absolutely battered it. Yeah, I tried to erase it from my memory, but it's all coming back now. Um, Ed, anything on the Triumph? No, forget it. Move on. <laughs> no, the Triumph Hurdle, just, uh, I think, five of the last eight winners we haven't seen until after Christmas. Uh, just a kind of race I, I'll make my mind up in Cheltenham Week, to be honest with you. Um, juvenile Hurdles, I, I swerve from punting propositions. Fair enough. On then to the Let's Go Chasing. And Shishkin is the 64 favourite for the Arkle, head of all mankind, uh, at 10 to 1, 16 to 1 bar. Um, firstly, let's tackle Shishkin. Ed, I'll come to you first. I mean, surely going to be one of the most. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen between now and March, but those festival bankers that always, uh, you know, pop their heads out. It, it's pretty hard to find flaws in Shishkin at the moment. Well, on the evidence of the one chase start, you'd have to be a, a real Christmas Scrooge to find a problem <laughs> with that, wouldn't you? Uh, I yeah. mean, he. he, he, he... It was just his aptitude, the way he attacked his fences, including the first fence. I was like, wow. Um, he <clears throat> spat my brunch out when I saw that. And then he really just, he he was electric, wasn't he? He enjoyed it. He didn't come out of first gear to a canter home. And I suppose we did technically learn a great deal in terms of raw form. And the fact that I think he beat Mick Pastor, he would have been given £22 to in a handicap hurdle. Yeah, it's just the way he went about his business. It, it did bring back that early shades of uh, Sprint de Sacre at Doncaster. And obviously, there's going to be tougher targets ahead. He heads, heads to Kempton next week. And uh, no doubt there'll be a couple in there, at least give him something to think about. 
I suppose, yeah. Uh, I mean, what more do you want to say on what we've seen of his? We know he's a very good hurdler. He won the Supreme. And what we've seen of him over fences so far, it was really exciting. And it would be nice to see him clash against all mankind because all mankind would really go off and make it a, a proper test. I, yeah. I get a feeling they're going to be ships in the night until the arc. I think all mankind's now being put away to the Kingmaker and then going on uh, to the festival. And Nick Henderson said Kempton and then perhaps one other race, which probably won't be the Kingmaker, and then on to Chowna. But look, nonetheless, yeah, Shishkin, really exciting. Really looking forward to him. Uh, obviously not my kind of price now, but I, I just enjoy the aesthetic of what he did. And um, that it clearly is a, is a top-class horse. Anything for you at a bigger price? Uh, well, the, the one who's now had a little setback, uh, Alexa Dane. I put him up in the uh, on our previous uh, mention. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him over a fence. Uh, of course, he was one who was, he was absolutely tanking at the time of his departure in the Supreme. And a lot of the talk was about Captain Guinness being brought down. Well, I thought he was going equally as well. Um, he apparently, he's had a little little setback. They aimed to get him out in January, but I'm just starting to get the feeling they may rough him off for the year and then bring him back for novice chase campaign next season because he's still young. But uh, no, no, the Arkle book not particularly uh, stopped in this year, unusually for myself. 25 to 1 at the moment, Elixir Daily, but with it comes with a word of caution. Um, Andy? Uh, yeah, I agree with uh, all what Ed said about Shiskin. Um, he, he clocked a big number, no great surprise, even though it was a bit of a time trial rather than an actual race as such. Uh, but again, he's, he's, he's clocked a number that straight away tells you that he's an Arkle horse. Um, you could see that visually, but the numbers did back it up as well. Uh, you know, the way he floated over those fences at Kempton, he, he looked as though he'd been doing all his life. He's now got to prove it, obviously going left-handed around Cheltenham, but you know, we know he handles Cheltenham, mm. albeit neither fences. It'd be interesting to see what he's like, up, you know, let's say in behind a horse like All Mankind, should they get both get there on the day and that'll be their chosen um, um, engagements. Um, running absolutely flat out with, with horses in and around him. That's the only acid test that we, what we don't know. And I, I think from an anti-post perspective, A, he's the right price, but B, he's not one that someone personally like me would get excited about backing now thinking oh I'm going to take five to four about maybe something that might at very best go off eight to eleven four mm-hmm. to six uh, because I think you know we've seen enough from the likes of Felix Deji Captain um, Captain Guinness and uh, All Mankind and, and one or two others to suggest that you know there's a little bit of depth in this division I don't think it's completely okay it's just Guinness he's only got to turn up and win he, he'll have to still go out and um, you know break sweat let's say um, looking at those at much bigger price, I think Willie Wallens has got quite a strong hand in this. The Forgotten Horse is un, un, unaccepted in many respects. I mean, he, I mean, there was obviously something quite wrong with with Captain Guinness that day at Tipperary when he made his chasing dip and was pulled up. But up to the point when he pulled up, I thought unaccepted was flying along at a royal rate of knots, and he got him in trouble anyway until that problem um, reared its ugly head and Rachel Blackmore um, decided, decided on discretion at the best part of valour. Um, so he's an interesting runner, and, and talking to Willie Mullins as well, that he's got a horse called Blackbow, who actually has recorded the very fastest time that we've got either side of the Irish. So we've got seventy-four for Siskin, but we've also got seventy-six for Blackbow when he beat on Tukas at Navanon. He's uh, chasing debut. He's always had a bucket load of class, Blackbow. Uh, you go back and you know look at his Cheltenham Festival running the bumper beyond relegate a few years back. He was fifth that day. Uh, he's a proper Grade One horse and. The, the fences seem to be, you know, make the making of him. They fit him with a hundred of tongue ties. He's obviously got his quirks. He's 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 a bit of a, um, a you know, a cage tiger kind of thing. He's 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 a little bit hot headed. But I mean, he, he, there's no doubt based on the number that he did on his chasing debut, he's got an absolute shed load of talent. And he's thirty three to one for the for the Arkle. 
Uh, Willie Mullins will we'll all, we'll always have a runner in the arc. Or that's one of the races he loves. Um, so, what we're looking at unaccepted sort of 16s, 20s. Unaccepted 16s across the bar across the board, I should say, in Black Bow, 33 to one with Unibet. Paddy Power and Betfair Sports. Yeah, I don't think that's the worst strategy in the in the world at this stage. Back in one of those two Mullins horses who both recorded very fast times, um, and yeah, I, I think I think I'd rather go down that route at the moment mm. anyway than take five to four batches skin. Well, we're talking about Willie Mullins, so let's go on to the RSA where he has got Monkfish, who is currently 130 with Bet365, as short as two to one in the place uh, with Sport Nation. That is. Um, it's still a bit of seven to two, I think, with SBK. Uh, the big breakaway is fourteen to one. Envoy Allen is fourteen to one, priced up for this race, but um, I don't think we'll see him here. Uh, latest exhibition, sixteen to one, and another Mullins horse, uh, Enna. I mean, it, I often can't say a horse's name, but this is one that I've been dreading saying all day. Uh, Enugamine, I think <laughs> we're going to go for um, a horse that I've actually backed. So that is, uh, yeah, interesting. But anyway. Andy, I digress. No one cares where I backed. Even though last time we spoke, I actually tipped a winner for the first time, which was exciting. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, but let's move on then to Monkfish first and foremost. What, I mean, visually very impressive last time we saw him. What are the numbers saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the numbers are saying, wow. Um, mm. Put it this way, the, of the two main dishes served up over that weekend um, with Monkfish and Envoy Allen, everyone was obviously raving about Envoy Allen, um, who basically just, I had to turn up and beat three uh, inferior rivals, but I thought there was a good deal of strength and depth in the Monkfish race. And Monkfish's overall time figure was way ahead of uh, Envoy Allen's. It was a much better race. They went at a much stronger gallop, and he literally never came out of a canter to win. I think the actual comments afterwards were a canter. Uh, to be able to do that to the horses he beat that day just shows you how good this horse is. We know how good the Albert Bartlett form was last year. You know, your time heals, your latest exhibitions. Um, and he, he did it. In a, in a kind of fashion, that, a dogged fashion that suggested that, um, you know, he's got plenty of stamina when required. He was very free as well in the Albert Barley. He had no real right to find as much as he did off the bride. He should have dropped out the back of the telly. So he's clearly a horse of some substance. And now that he's got fences in front of him, literally the, the sky's the limit. I, I, I can imagine Rich Richie's on the phone to... Um, Willie Mullins every day and saying he's monkfish okay he's monkfish okay <laughs> because if he, were my, if he were mine I literally wouldn't be able to sleep um, I, I think I think he's very much the next he's the new in the next coming he's the, he's the the big star I mean obviously Envoy Allen's the other one as well we, we you know we're, we're spoiled really with these two horses because I think we're in, a, in, a, in another year's further down the line these two are going to end up clashing in the gold cup I think they're that good I actually think Envoy Allen can go the other way and he actually could win a champion chase he's that good Mm. But I do think Monkfish is going to be really even better when he's got a three-mile stamina test and he's allowed to let rip round Cheltenham. So I think Sport Nation have got that right two to one. And I even think the 130 with Bet365 come festival time will look one of the value bets of the festival. And this is one, you know, the, the perils of anti-post betting, you don't know where horses are going to turn up. But I think we can be pretty sure here that Monkfish will, will be in the Absolutely, RSA. Yeah. What, one-way ticket to the RSA, yeah. Unless, you know, obviously the only thing that can bite you is, is any fish, fitness or injury issues. But 130 with 365 looks big for Andy. Um, and it's it's your style to, to look at, uh, you know, something with a one or a two at the beginning of the of the price. And that's not for 130. So what are you looking at here in the in the RSA? Well, obviously, I've tipped and backed uh, big breakaway anti-post at, at mm. forty to one. So I'm, I'm kind of don't Sitting quite. Know what. I've, I've got the price, but um, after last time out's two to nine debacle, um, a <laughs> bit nervous now. But 
I still was flummoxed. I mean, the Collins is our team. I think well, they had five winners from the last 50 runners or something. I cannot work that yard out for love nor money. Uh, some of the highest, biggest rated horses in the yard, the likes of Lost in Translation, Slate House, Copperhead, barely lifting a leg this season. And then the big breakaway turned over at two to nine. I just, the dropping trip was daft, as he'd say, in the aftermath. But look, back at three miles, I think we could see him show a good put in a good performance again. He goes to Kempton on Boxing Day where he's going to meet Sham Blue who's an exciting type from the Dan Skelton team. And that'd be interesting over Kempton over three. And I, I think he's going to struggle to beat Monkfish, in all honesty. But if he could at least get to the race on the day, I still think there's scope and value in his price. Because again, I'm, there's no other race the big breakaway will run in at the Chantal Festival other than the RSA. I've already heard little quotes from some of those latest exhibitions and a few of those in and around them. You know, all, all he does is stay all day. Straight away, I start thinking the the National Hunt chase and then a couple of others could perhaps, they, you know, come down in trip. But again, I, talking about identifying the target, if the horse is fit, he's well, and he's shown a good level of form. There's no other race at the Chantler Festival now. The Tizars have basically said they've scrapped the two and a half mile plan from here on going forwards. He will run in the RSA chase. Now, whether he goes off a 25 to one shot out of form or whether he goes there as the 11 to two second favourite as the kind of the home horse, if you like, then we will see. But he's definitely always a lot, a lot, a lot of ability. I just, it is our team had a horrendous Cheltenham last year. I think it's two Cheltenhams running now and the yard just seemed to be woefully out of form as well. It's not like the horses are just running badly. I mean, Copperhead jumped six fences in the, mm. in the Labrick's Trophy and was pulled up. Slayhouse jumped yeah. five and was, there's something does seem amiss. Uh, if they could click back in the gear, uh, in time for, for March. Uh, I think the big breakaway, I, I think the market's more or less got it spot on. I don't think there's any kind of secret secrets in here at the moment. I think Monkfish is head and shoulders above the rest. And I think the big breakaway and get himself sorted back over three miles, he could be the, the best of the rest, if you like. Feels like the Tizard team have been cursed at Charlton ever since Native River won the Cock Cup. Basically, <laughs> yeah. from, that, from that moment, they've just had a, a yeah. terrible time um, at Presby Park. But anyway... <laughs> We'll move on now to to the marsh, and you know we spoke about one mightily impressive um, horse in Monkfish a second ago. But in Envoy Allen, I think we have possibly the most exciting horse in training, who's currently five to four best price with Bet three six five, odds on in places Betway, Ball Sports, Ten Bets, uh, Sport Nation, and Red Zone all odds on about Envoy Allen, uh, Chatham Street lads and uh, Protector at sixteen to one and eighteen to one, Blackbow who we've already spoken about twenty to one. I mean, Ed, can we pick any holes in Envoy Allen? I mean, obviously the price is pretty prohibitive and we're probably not going to sit here telling people to, to get involved. But in terms of, you know, what's going what's gonna to turn up to the marsh looking to take it on? Yeah, indeed. Um, you can't really pick holes in him. No, uh, as Andy points out, perhaps um, there might be a little bit hyperbole about what he's actually achieved over fences uh, because we know how good he was as a hurdler. Goosebump stuff last time out, wasn't it? When yeah. uh, an, inch, an inch of rain uh, coming the four out, and he just took off. And uh, he was brilliant. Yeah, look, he's the right price, right favourite, blah, blah, blah. It's almost a la Monkfish and, and Shishkin to some extent. Uh, I, I mean, the horse I put in my, um, flagged up in my, my five to follow on the on the show a month or so ago is Fiddler on the Roof again, another horse from the informed Colin Tizar team. And um, it, he, I'm, I'm convinced he's a lot better. We'll actually get to see him soon. He, he runs at Ascot on Friday and uh, we'll, he'll probably go off near, near enough favourite there for that race. And uh, again, the, the yard had been under a bit of a cloud, yet he did win. I was really happy with the manner in which he jumped and he won at Exeter on pretty quick ground over 2-3. Uh, and then he ran at Newbury last time out where he bumped into an exposed type called Caribbean Boy and the Nicky Henderson team who we'll see on Saturday uh, in a graduation chase at Exeter. But I think Fiddle on the I think he wants soft ground. He needs the yard to get back in form. 
and I'm convinced, you know, this is a previous <laughs> Tolworth winner again, that the wheels just came off for him uh, at the Cheltenham Festival. If, if you could just somehow get him back to, the, 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 you know, get his verve back to where he was, I, I think the key thing with him is he jumps really well. Uh, mm. And that's what I, I like about him. He really does make ground at his fences. I think he wants a bit of soft ground. As I said, if the yard form could just pick up and they could get, I mean, I see Colin Tizzo saying he's given a lot of horses tests at the moment. You know, I mean, we almost need to put a track and trace down on their horses in <laughs> the Tizar team, don't they? I mean, he says they've, run, they've been running tests on their horses because some of them have just been inexplicably so bad uh, that, that they can't quite work out what's going on. But I'm, I'm convinced Finn on the roof is, in terms of his engine, is a lot better than what we've seen uh, over fences so far. He's jumping there's more or less not been a lot wrong with it, which is the encouraging part of it, uh, if you see what I'm saying. So it's a bit of a crossroads day for him at Ascot on Friday. He takes on Pick Dorky and Alart. That's a pretty good race, it has to be said, over two, three and a half on soft. If you can't win that, then, um, yeah, you can forget the kind of marsh aspirations or at least being in the shake-up. But my view was he'd, he'd win one of these and win it well, and then 33 to 1 would crash into about 12s on the basis of that. So I was waiting for him to win one and win it well. <laughs> Pinder on the roof, 33 to 1, Unibet, William Hill, Skybet. Andy, what can we say about Envoy Allen? That hasn't already been said. Um, well, yeah, nothing probably. Yeah, I, I think, you know, on the build up to Cheltenham last year and on one or two previews, we've already managed to shoehorn his name in there somewhere because he, he's just the best national horse pound for pound around at the moment, isn't he? If you're using a boxing um, mm-hmm. analogy. Um, just jumps, he travels, he's got a great attitude. Um, I mean, he's done two very, very slow times in, in his victories. You might have thought he was spectacular the other day, but he, he's run, he's two, he's two numbers that we've got him doing, which is, uh, he's done a 41 at Down Royal, and he's done a 55 when he won the, the grade one last time out. He only needed to run to a 55 to win a grade one in Ireland last time out. That just shows you how bad the other three were. And his quickest time ever was in the Ballymore last year at 81. We recorded the, fa- the fastest time we got last season of any horse was Envoy Allen when he won the Ballymore, when he, when he ran to an 81. So he's got that in his locker. He can run to an 81. And at the moment, he's, he's been running, you know, basically just jogging round. So he's got to a position uh, where he's a five to four favourite to win, the, to win the, the Mars chase, running a 41 and a 55. Mm-hmm. Um the problem is he's not going to run a fast time between now and the Charlton Festival because the opposition is going to be scared off. He'll probably have a two or three runner race in Ireland somewhere, maybe Leopardstown, and then one more, and and, and it'll just be runs to, for experience. So we'll only really see what Envoy Allen's capable of doing when he, he runs in the Marsh Chase at, at the Charlton Festival, and we we know that with the clear round, he's by far and away the best. So if you're back in him anti-post, you've just got to hope that he stays healthy because... I don't think there's really anything good enough to lace his boots, to be honest. Um, what, what price do you reckon he goes off? Well, he'll be odds on, won't he? I mean, we need to see whether the likes of Chattermill Lad, maybe Protector Rat, maybe Andrew Dufresne. He's another horse I think has got a shed load of talent. Yeah. Um, we haven't mentioned him, but he's, he's funny enough, he's clocked two faster times than Envoyel. I think he's, he's run to a 66 and a 74, um, very much um, on, under the radar without too many flashing lights. Um, but yeah, it's it's a race at the moment. I, I look, I'll get a, a little bit more um, excited about that race from a betting perspective. Pre, yeah, pre 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 the trials day, let's say in January. Okay, on then to the last race we're going to cover before getting on to the three, the four, sorry, big ones and the Ryanair 
is next. Min and Imperial Aura, seven to one joint favourites with Lost in Translation and Sam Crow, both 14 to one. Alaho, 16 to one and 20 to one bar. Uh, Ed, one you like in here, though, that I haven't mentioned yet is Fakir Duderis at 33s. Yeah, I'm going to stick with him. And um, not very often you get really happy when a horse gets beaten, uh, which you're a fan of, which was exactly the case last time at Fakadudari. <laughs> Remember, we, we were having this chat and I said he's coming back over two miles and I want to see him outpaced, beaten, and then they scrap the uh, crazy two-mile plans because he's a horse who needs to step up in trip. And so, yeah, to stop rattling on, I generally still think 33 to 1, he's, he's a big player in the Ryanair chase market. They've more or less said, look, they're scrapping two miles from now on. He'd be over two and a half miles going further forward. We know he likes Cheltenham. Uh, of course, that Arkle form looks pretty solid, doesn't it? Uh, gave Put the kettle on a good old race uh, in the Arkle last year. Rouge Viff's come out. He was beaten in third and won a, won a decent pot at Cheltenham. And, yeah, I, I, this is actually really shaping up to be a really good race. You're going to have, like, mm. Imperial War on the upgrade. You've got Min the other end of his career, but still, uh, well, when we can actually see him run am- amongst fog, actually still running to pretty good, to pretty good level. And there's some really excited types in here, but I do, I generally do think Fakidou Derry is the one overpriced in here because uh, again, I don't see what other race he runs in at the Cheltenham Festival. He likes Cheltenham. He's won at Cheltenham. He's got festival form and he's got a touch of class. So uh, he, he's the each way player, but this is really exciting. I do. I think Imperial Law has re- re- really jumped really well last time out. I thought it was really excited by him. And of course, Min just uh, looks evergreen. There's a whole host of uh, potential horses in here, including like, Caribbean Boy was another one I just wanted to quickly flag up, who again beat um, Fiddler on the Roof, who it, it may not turn out to be exceptional form. Um, that horse is now Caribbean Boy is no longer a novice. Um, he's really interested. I thought just the manner in which he jumped in Uri again was, it was, it was fantastic. He didn't touch a twig, jumped and traveled well. Big, strong horse and uh, be interested with him going further forward. But yeah, uh, I'm fucking doing there. He's still my, my anti-post pick and um, I've gone in again. The fact he drifted on the basis of what I thought would happen in that he got beaten over the minimum trip because he's not quick enough. So yeah, but um, it looks wide open. And it, yeah, that, I mean, that's an amazing price, that is. Ed's, Ed's mm. really very much in the right direction with Faco de Duris. I, I must admit, I thought all the way through that race, uh, or certainly nine-tenths of it, I thought Faco de Duris was going to win. He jumped, he travelled fantastic. Some of those jumps down the back at Navan were spectacular. He's got an amazing amount of scope for a, not, not if you like, a, 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 a national hunt type horse. He's not like as big and as robust as a, as a, a notebook who beat him that day. Uh, but uh, he's got an amazing leap in him. Um uh, yeah, for some reason he just he just didn't get you know he just got paced or or maybe it might have been a, a little bit of lack of the run who knows it was a bit of six or one of half a dozen or the other but he's he's a he's a massive talent and a big player um, likely to be in the in the Ryanair um, the the race I'd probably or the two races I'd concentrate on with regards to collateral form would be the the races run back to back simultaneously last year the, the Ryanair win, uh, winner Min and uh, Sam Crow's race. Um, and again, it's another race where I did a lot of split screen stuff and, and some sectionals and what have you. And the Mars Chasers by a million miles are better race than the, the Ryanair. So I'd be pretty sure that Min and all those horses that took part in that, that race, your Plutards and St. Calvados, they wouldn't be good enough to beat the likes of Mel and Min, uh, sorry, Mel and Sam Crow and, and Fahin, although I don't think maybe Fahin will uh, maybe, maybe not come back to Chella. But the, the forms worked out great. You know, McKnight Shadow nearly won the... The um, the big handicap the other day, the Caspian Caviar. Mr. Fisher finally bounced back to form in a, in a small field around the the new course rather than the old course, which didn't suit him in the Paddy Pazza. That that form of that Marsh Chase is definitely the, the key angle for me from last season. So I'd probably look at Sam Crow, who was clearly not not 
quite right first time out. But we saw that with Abacadabra. He got beat first time out. Next time out it was a different story. Uh, but he's a ta- he's a talented horse. He'd come in the spring on, on, on better ground for Sam Crow. Um, so I'd probably throw him into the mix um, at 14 to 1. And and, and, and Ed's Fakir de Duris, that's another massive price about a, a, a genuine grade one horse. Sam Crow 14 to 1. Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook and Fakir Duderis is 30 to 1 with Unibet and Bet 365 there. Both Ed and Andy very keen, but Ed's selection for the Ryanair. On then to the champion hurdle. And Epitant is the 6 to 4 favourite ahead of St. Roy. Abracadabra is 8 to 1, who's been tipped up by Andy for the race. Honeysuckle 16, Song for Someone 20s alongside Concertista, who we've discussed, and Aspire Tower. And we'll come to you in a second to talk about Abracadabra and your, and your make of the race, um, mm-hmm. Ed. You know, it's another short-priced horse. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be popular with punters. But again, I think we're looking down the list, hopefully, for, for a bit of value. Yeah, potentially. Although I, I actually think at the market as it is now, I don't really see anything massively left to field jumping off the page. I think yeah. those the protagonists are the ones you want to be sticking with. I think Epitome, <clears throat> the right favourite, the reigning champion. Abacadabra is... <laughs> going to go there with every chance strong traveler uh we saw that last year on the whole jumps pretty well uh saint roy is the one i'm, I'm on anti post i wouldn't be giving up on that one there wasn't much between uh in fact there was hardly anything between uh saint roy and abacadabra's last time out and saint roy made an absolute horlicks of the last flight as well so I, I think you can almost throw a blanket over the next few and then it's just a case of whether they get past epitome with a the dreaded uh, seven pound mares allowance, isn't it? Mm. So, um, and then of course you could throw in a fat concertista or honeysuckle could even be rerouted here. So, um, from I think the market's got it pretty much right at the moment from an anti-post betting perspective. There's nothing that's really jumping off the page unless you wanted to perhaps chance your arm with concertista now at around what she 20, 22 to one if she yeah. if she runs abracadabras and Saint Roy to within anything uh, next week, then she's going to be getting towards single figures, isn't she? So, uh, but generally speaking, I, I think the market's got it right. Epitome's the one to beat and there's some exciting and exposed types in behind. It's just a case of who turns up on the day and the, the value's kind of gone now to take a big chance is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So I, I just, you know, just sit and wait it out if you haven't already got involved. Potentially, if you wanted to chance, if there was one in there, throwing a few quid on Constantista might not be the the worst bet in the world because if she does happen to upset the apple cart next week and given how well she looked last time out um mm-hmm. she could she could you know get connections tempted to go the champion hurdle route in the long run Andy Epiton to the top but how are you feeling about your tip Abracadabras yeah in some respects the pressure's off now Epiton's gone and done what she's done um I fully expected uh, Abracadabra to, to perhaps win first time. I'm a bit disappointed. He was only third to, to Aspartair. But, mm-hmm. you know, glad to have him back on board and on side again and in full working order when he beat St. Roy. Now, obviously, a lot of it was made of the ride that St. Roy got and, and maybe should have won him was a bit unlucky. But in all fairness, Abracadabra would have been the last horse in the world. You would have been wanting hitting the front, jumping the second last and having a thick end of a quarter of a mile to run on heavy ground at, at Punchestown. So... I thought he did really well to hang as tough as he did. So you've got to give him a little bit of credit as well, as well as you know, highlight the the, um, the the foibles of what happened to St. Roy. So the, I think there's positives with each one, St. Roy and, and Abracadabra. And I think they are the the, the, the right second and third favourite. I still believe Abracadabra is an amazing each way bet. Um, I mean, he, I tipped him at 10 to 1, didn't I, after um, he's supreme, yeah. novice second. He, he's still 8 to 1 now, which in the cold light of day still looks an amazing each way nugget because you know him and Shiskin pulled 
the thick end of 12 lengths clear of, of, a, of, a, of a very good uh, Supreme Novices field uh, in a fast time. And, and the ground wouldn't have been ideal for Abacadabra. And again, he hit the front far far sooner than he would have uh, wanted. But let's face it, look who he got beat by Shiskin. I mean, we're talking of a also could be odds on for one for a Cheltenham Festival race. So mm. I think come better ground in a champion hurdle when they're going to go a good gallop, that's when we'll see the best is Abacadabra. I just hope for anti-post players, including myself, that we get a slightly better surface than what uh, we got last year when it was genuinely heavy. Probably the worst of the conditions I'd seen for the last... 10 years um you've been luckier let's say if it, if, it, if it was as bad as last year so i'll be very hopeful for abracadabras abracadabras till eight to one with bet 365 888 and bet fred uh, before we move on to the champion chase we're going to play a quick game it's a variation of a, of a very popular game um where we're going to play uh back lay and hold with the three hot pots at the moment so epitant Envoy, Allen, and Shishkin. You have to choose which one you'd like to back at the prices, which one you would want to steer clear of, and which one you kind of leave in the middle. So, Andy, starting with you. What were they going, Appetant? Appetant, Envoy, Allen, and Shishkin. 6 to 4, uh, 6 to 4, even money, uh, 5 to 4. I would say Envoy, Allen, back. Um, I'd say stick with Appetant, and I'd probably lay Shishkin because I do think he's plenty short enough. I'd rather back. Envoy Allen in his category mm. at five to four, then I would just get a five because I do think I've highlighted all mankind, unaccepted, yeah. Captain Guinness, Felix Deji, Blackbow. I've got five or six others, big guns ever run, big numbers, all running for me there if I was a bookmaker at this stage. Ed, same question. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Envoy Allen back. I'd probably stick Shishkin and I'd lay Epitont just because I think. There are some good horses you're just going to have to race. I know it's a silly yeah. champion hurdle, but... <laughs> champion hurdle. Saint, Saint, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. St. Roy and Abacadabra is going to... And, and if, especially if the couple of the mares, you know, if Honeysuckle and Concertista lined up in this as well, the it, champion hurdle is always a tough race to win. So, yeah, mm. but, I mean, pedantic's really not much between them. But, yeah, definitely Envoy Allen out of those three. Uh, it just... He's not had to come out... In just list down these speed figures and the fact that he's not had to do anything... Yeah. Um, to to literally win, you know, in a common canter, and we know from his hurdling days, was it a, a rating of eighty one? Uh, and he's saying on the speed figures, we know he can go to, you know, five years more, uh, which is frightening when you come to think about it. And I think he will scare a lot of the opposition off. It would a, a single figure, a single, you know, seven or eight run a marsh chase with him at four to nine is is not too far fetched. I don't think. On to the champion chase now. Three more to go. Chacun Poissois is the three to one favourite ahead of Altior at seven to one. Andy's selection put the kettle on eight to one. Politolog, the winner of the Tingle Creek, is nine to one. Notebook, 16 to one. Ed, let's just talk about what happened at Sandown. We didn't see Altior, as everybody knows. Politolog went and, and beat what he had to beat and did it well. So, what do we make of those two coming into this uh, as they're priced up at the moment? Yeah, I, I mean, the way I would view this, um, again, from a slightly different angle to uh, perhaps Andy or uh, some other people would be, I think of all the championship races, this is probably the most ground-dependent race if in terms of if the ground's officially good on the day compared to heavy on the day. I think this swings some of these horses, at least a stone either way, uh, depending on what comes up. And 11-year-old Altior on heavy, I wouldn't be getting excited about at all. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas we've seen Politolog on soft, just jumps and gallops these kind of change of tactics, if you like, Harry Skelton, clearly in his element at the moment. But he's 10. There's a lot of 
old horses in here, if you like. And then the younger ones, I generally think, do want a better surface. Uh, I like to see them on. Uh, put the kettle on is probably the, the <laughs> solid mare in the fact that she pretty much will go on anything, probably be enhanced by a bit better ground, actually. In the Schlur chase, I think Enning Coleman referenced it was it was quite hard work, but a class got her home. and um, she, She's like the rock, the rock solid one in there. But uh, if the... The horse that was second in the Tingle Creek, Granatine, I wouldn't totally give up on yet at 28 to 1. Uh, the way he won the Holden Gold Cup, he won it with a, lot, a burst of speed in the closing stages. I know he's got a lot of form on soft, but I just his action makes me think I'd love to see him on a bit of spring ground on a faster surface. He does look like a horse. He's not going to grind you in submission, but he's going to come there and try and pounce and quicken up. Now, perhaps he'd be suited by flatter tracks, but I thought all in all, it was a pretty good run in the Tingle Creek, considering he was coming stepping out of a handicap company, really, from the you know the Grand Annual and the Holden Gold Cup, and he mm-hmm. acquitted himself fairly well. So Paul says he's going to put him away to miss out the worst of the winter ground. Uh, he's only six, of course. So he's still a young horse. He's entitled to improve. Uh, he's going to go to the, the game spirit and then on to the, the champion chase where Harry Cobden will ride. And I thought I think he was around the 25 to 1 mark or there or 21 mark there or thereabouts. So I still think he's got improvement in the locker, shall we say. But again, I just think this, this could be such a ground-dependent race. Uh, soft, heavy ground really throws a totally different complexion on it to, uh, if we've got our old Edredon Blur days, which I don't think we'll ever see again, if you see what I'm <laughs> saying. So it's a, it's a funny old race to call. And, um, of course, we're just all itching to see how to you're back on the track. And he's due to line up against uh, Duke de Geneva and put the kettle on. Uh, at Kempton in, in eight, nine days' time, which we're, should be an absolute corker. Fingers crossed. We see Altior there. Um, Andy, Chacon Possois, three to one, favourite, rightful favourite. And, and how are you feeling about your tip? Put the kettle on now. I, th- I think he's, he's, he's always the kind of horse who's going to work his way to ahead of any market because of his reputation. Um, he was brilliant that day at Punchestown, wasn't he? But he's never been around Cheltenham yet. Um, so, you know, let's see what he can do around, uh, around, around Presby Park. I mean, the, Previous winners of the of the champion chase have, have usually either come from the previous year's Arkle, um, or they've got plenty of Cheltenham Festival, just Cheltenham form um, per se. You'd very rarely get a horse first time off the back coming around here and winning. So I'd, I'd be a little bit lukewarm about him, I must admit. Um, I don't think he's quite as good as what everyone makes out he is to be. But put, put it this way, when he won at court the other day, he's, he's, his time figure and his circuit time was only equivalent to a horse called Mount Ida, who you know is about a you know one thirty horse um, who want to begin this chase. So that straight away got the alarm bells ringing for me. I was thinking this horse should have been running quicker than that. Didn't jump uh, all that well. To no, he didn't. No, yeah. no. And obviously there's there's got fragile. to be yeah. Took it. I mean, took it to frigidity as well. Ed. I mean, there's got to be something not quite right with Altior for him to not run at Sandown the other day. I mean, what what on earth did Nicky Henderson want? I mean, I think he got a bit woolly because the two. Novices that got beat, Grand Mogul and, and the Juvenile, got beat earlier. But let's face it, that 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 hurdle track at Sandown is always renowned to be a quagmire, whereas the chase track is is pretty much, you know, soft at worst. I was amazed he took him out. I, I just think he got completely sidetracked by those two getting beat and thought, oh god, the ground. But it was on a different track, and um, I think I think it was a mistake for him not to run. Um, so I, I just think he's looking for any excuse really not to run Altio or not give him a hard race. Uh, talking of ground conditions being, um, um, you know, not, not not bothered either way. If you want an anti post, well, put the kettle on my my horse. Doesn't mind it. I, I don't think she wants a bog, as as Aidan Coleman said when he got off the other day at Cheltenham. Her guts got her home, and I, I think she hated the ground when she won the Schlur chase. But once again, she proved her durability. She proved she loves Cheltenham. 
I think she was a 20 to one shot last year, predominantly because everyone thought she was a good ground mare. Mm. Having won early on in the season, a four-runner race on good ground, and I think she's just caught everyone by surprise of how good she was. But her time figure when winning the Arca was good. The form of the Arca's worked out really well, including her win. And De Bromhead's just a master with these two-mile chasers. So, you know, I can't remember what price I put put the kettle 10, on. Twenty to one. You, you twenty to one. Like yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I mean, twenty to one for put the kettle on now. Eight to one. I mean, what's not to like? She she's proven her well-being this season. Um, hey, I would change it for the world. To be honest, I don't know what Ed thinks. Yeah, I think she's rock solid. She's the one that, when I touched on earlier, in terms of the ground issue, uh, she's the one that will act on any surface. Whereas I said, if the ground came up very soft, uh, you could bin your granatine and your rouge vif slip, in my view. I don't think out your age 11, would uh, a heavy ground champion chase would be found wanting and the ballpark would sway massively back towards Politologue. And Chaka Boussoir, just again to touch upon, I'm just not convinced by him. He doesn't particularly jump that well. As I said, he's the... He's got a lot of. He's had a lot of injuries. This horse. He's infrequently seen, and even Ruby Walsh, of course, he's very like close. He's a bit like Nabi Cater, isn't he? <laughs> no, no, well, I was going to say Jack Wilshire, but poor old Jack will be suing me for libel soon. So I'll be, um, <laughs> but, but he's um, no, clearly a horse of a lot of ability. But it was interesting to listen to Ruby Walsh's comments on television the other day. Uh, Ruby obviously being quite close to the yard. He said even he wasn't all that blown away by Shaq and Bourgeois in, in yeah. terms of. I do think he. He's clearly a horse of a lot of ability, and he, I just want to see him in a, in a kind of race before Charlton, if that makes sense. It may not be the case, and we'll find out on the day, which will, in part, perhaps maybe will make the market and make it more exciting. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a muddling old contest to Champion Chase, and so I'm, I've, I've got a small bet on Granatine, and just if the ground came up decent, I think he could, he'd be playing late and could run into a place, but no particular strong view. Granatine, 20 to 1, pretty much across the board there. Um, on now to the stayers, a much more open stayers than we've had in recent years, although the one that's normally at the top of the market is in its second favourite. Time Hill is 5 to 1. Paisley Park is 11 to 2. Side of Burley with that little gold star, which means that it's an Andy Holding tip next door to him on the odds check grids, 7 to 1. Benny De Dieu, 10 to 1. Fury Road, 12 to 1. Roxana, 20. McFabulous, 20. Ronald Pump, close your ears, Andy, 20. Um, and it could come to you first here and fair to say, you know, it's, it's following a bit of a theme these last few races, but I know you're still pretty keen on side of Berlay. Yeah. Um, I have been really since, um, doing the numbers from, from the per attempt final last year. I think I told everyone that was prepared to listen that this is going to be next year's stairs hurdle win. I, I, I was pretty convinced that the stairs hurdle division was poor, backed up by the numbers in the Lisnagar Oscar stairs hurdle, we had Paisley Park. It was, it was just a weak race, and obviously Paisley didn't run anywhere near his best, but I think even if he would have done, he wouldn't have been inside of Burley. Or the storyteller, for that factor, you know, on the same day, streets ahead of um, the the, um, the grade one horses. And it, it's just one of those horses, I just could not believe the price he was after. And, and it's taken even now people to cotton onto how good he is. And I still mm. think his price is wrong. I still think seven to one is 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 way too big for for a for a horse of of his quality. I mean, he 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 just stays forever, but he's got so much quality to win over two and a half miles first time out was was a head scratcher for me. I don't know how he he managed to do that. I thought he, he was sure to get beat, I and mean, he went off a nine or two. And looking back, that that was an amazing prize. I didn't have a farthing on because I just didn't think he could win over two and a half miles first time out. I thought, well, he's a spring horse. He wants three miles. He wants Cheltenham. Yeah. So it just shows you how good he is. The fact that he was able to win over, uh, with you know, against adversity. Um, the, the, the only fly in the ornament for me is, is Time Hill, who, who obviously beat Paisley Park fair and square the other day. And he'll be clocking a, 
um, a good final circuit time. It wasn't a great overall time because obviously they crawled in the first part of the race until they got going on the second circuit. But their second circuit time was phenomenal. So it was a really good, strongly run last two and a half, two miles. Um, and Tynehill, I thought, was, was really good. And we know how good he's Albert Bartlett for me. So I, I think Tynehill will probably win at Ascot. Um, if 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 he doesn't, maybe, maybe main fat might beat him. But under the conditions, that's the only that's the only scenario I could see there. Uh, and Sardar Berlay, who skipped the long walk, which was almost predictable to to run at Leopardstown, where he looks as though he's got a complete freebie. You know, he'll only, he'll only, he'll only have Ronald pumped pumped to beat one. I mean, the others the other Irish horses are absolutely tragic. I mean, mm. I can't. Can anyone name a good three mile hurdle in Ireland apart from Sardar Berlay? <laughs> I mean, I, he, he should he should be odds on, and he will be odds on, and he'll win easily. Yeah. Um, so, if you've got him in your tent to follow, there's another maximum points for a Grade One. And um, let's just hope that Gordon Elliott can keep him with one piece come the day. Come the day, because if he does, then he he'll be my biggest anti-post winner ever if if he wins wow. the, the stage hurdle. Party at Andy's, although might still be in Tier Three by then. Uh, come mid March. Uh, I'm tempted. I'm almost tempted to back him again. You know, even that it's it's the craziest. Strategy to have him in back to him at all rates all the way down to I think I've I, I cut off at 12s to go in again at sevens, but I'm that confident that I know that set, he can't possibly be seven to one on the day. He's, he's um, five to two to win at Christmas. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. am. Who's, who's gone five to two? Um, are they mad? Are they mad? Unless my, yeah, um, yeah. Nine, well, nine to four, five to two generally. Yeah, Fury what? Road five to two, eleven to four run. Ooh, uh, okay. Unless I'm looking at out of date market, but uh, there we go. Uh, if you're using those checker app, Ed, there's absolutely wow. no chance. <laughs> I, um, I, need, I need to get. I need to get. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll hurry this on. One or two people organise for that, I think. Right. Uh, quickly on the, on the stairs. Well, not quickly on the stairs, Ed. There's. You got me excited because you sent me an email before we um, recorded, saying with your kind of a couple of your fancies, and Thomas Darby was one of them, and he put 100 to one next door. So I was excited to give a three-figure tip. But the best price, Ed, is 80s. You've oh. smashed up the prices. Can't believe it. Give us the lowdown on Thomas Darby for, for Ollie Murphy. Again, I'm, I'm repeating a, a lot of them from our, um, our Five to Follow show yeah. from last time, in which I identified he's a horse of which they're aiming at. Basically, he came out and said, we're going to have a crack at the stairs hurdle route with him. Now, he was ended in the long walk, and I would actually like to have seen him have a crack at Paisley Park at Time Hill tomorrow, given that his best performance over hurdles today did come at Ascot and the form of that race is now looking out, looking pretty good, isn't it? Because he swatted a side song for someone and that horse has turned out to be pretty good. And anyway, uh, funny enough, so in, in uh, Andy's freebie race, it sounds like Thomas Darby's going to Leopardstown um, <laughs> to, to run against him and Fury Road and Ronald Pump over Christmas. And look, 100 to 1, the logic was, or 80 to 1 now, always has been my logic there's about 15 20 horses ahead of him in the anti-post list who either a are nowhere near good enough to win a stairs hurdle b are already over fences c on on the sidelines have got no intention of ever going near a stairs hurdle yet you've got the trainer come out and say look we're going to go to gray one over christmas then we're going to look at the cleave and then we're going to look at the stairs hurdle and as i said you can you can burn yourself money by taking trainers quotes on face value too often but in this case, it's all starting to add up. The fact, uh, you know, he's entered in at Leopardstown here, Thomas Darby, and they're, they're going to have a good old look. And I, I just love to see him over a staying trip. His best performance today over hurdles was the furthest he'd run when he ran over two and a half at Ascot under a big weight on soft ground. He beat Song for someone. 
I said that form's looking good. And I'm just looking at something that's going to crash from a massive price. And he's only got to end up the backsides of Fury Road inside of Burley, beating two or three lengths and run a, run a good race. And instantly he will shorten up a lot. And if he just makes it to the race, he's going to be a, a 14, 16 to one poke, if you like. So, uh, in again, I, I cannot see he's not going to run in a Coral Cup off 159 or whatever. There's no other race he will run it at the Chantler Festival. He's not good enough and he doesn't run. Or we'll go to entry. If he is good enough, he'll get there about a fifth of the price he is now. That's yeah. the kind of logic, if you see what I'm saying. So Thomas Darby, and I'm I'm fat there. I'm enjoy. I'm actually quite excited. In fact, he's going over to Ireland. I, I think the Ollie Murphy's reasoning is they thought on heavy ground for his first time at three miles against Paisley Park and Time Hill. Perhaps they could leave his season behind. Uh, bizarrely enough, the weather in Ireland actually looks kinder uh, than it does here, and you could be racing on yielding to soft um, in in nine days' time over at Leopardstown. But anyway, I just thought he was a big price given that the trainer is targeting that horse at the race. And in terms of official ratings, he's only kind of eight to 10 pound off, yeah. off getting in the ballpark. And if he improves a step up in trip, then he's uh, he's a big player at a price. Lovely stuff. 80 to one with bet 365 as it stands. 50s kind of across the board. So it might have to be quick to get that 80s. The 100s long gone. The uh, Quigley household have taken that 100 to one apart. Well, I, I wonder if um, I end up doing a piggyback volley Murphy. Fingers crossed. I have to stay clear. <clears throat> yeah, well, I think piggybacks might be banned at the Cheltenham Festival in uh, Nestle <laughs> part, part of Ollie's bubble. Um, get, get him over to come and stay at yours for the festival week. Uh, on to the Gold Cup now. An album photo is trying to make it three in a row and is 11 to two favourite to do so. Santini, heartbreak for Andy, eight to one. Minella Indo, the one for Andy this year, or at least was last uh, last uh, earlier in March, eight to one as well. Champ twelve to one. Lost in translation sixteen to one alongside surname and presenting Percy. Andy, we'll come to you first here. Intriguing top three in the market. The champion, the one that was touched off last time, and the one that you probably got for a few quid. Yeah, it was, it, there was a few heartbreakers, wasn't it, last year at the festival? Like there is every year, you know, you have highs and lows, and and Santini not winning the Gold Cup was a bit of a a kick in the old leather regions. Um, but yeah, I don't think much of last year's Gold Cup, in, in essence. I, I think, you know, we, we're likely to get the, the new wave coming through. And, and then, then obviously, the last season looked, looked to cut above, didn't they? Um, you know, the looks of Manila in down champ. Uh, you know, that, that RSA looks looks the, the best form. It looks a better race than the Gold Cup. The fact that Modderley managed to hang on in there and finish a close-up fourth just shows you what a... A poor race the, the Gold Cup wasn't, and, and and Santini is very slow, isn't he? Look, I, I'm I know more than any anyone having done his numbers and his sectionals and what he's all about. Santini needs a, you know, it almost needs four miles, doesn't he? I mean, it yeah. it took him three miles to get warmed up round Aintree the other day, and he still looked very. He's, <laughs> you know, he, was a, it was a remarkable run that, given the way that he, you know he ran. Oh yeah. Of I, mean, to be... I mean, he's he's literally off the bridle in the parade ring, isn't he, Santini? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, That's a good so, one. I like that. <laughs> so yeah, look, you know what you're going to get with him. Um, I, I think he's a type of horse you, you almost need to put a pair of blinkers on and just shove him from the front mm. because you've just got to keep going. You've got to keep the revs up. You you can't let a flat slot, the pace slacken with him at any stage. You've got to be in control of what Santini's doing. Because if others dictate to you what's going to happen, there's no way Santini can win a gold cup. And that's what happened last year. I don't think Nico, Nico decided whether to stick or twist coming down the hill when he got to the front in the, on the rails. He he should have been going, you know, hell for leather, but he didn't. He let, he let, he let him get out. He got outpaced, looked like he was going to get completely swamped, and then he ran on again up the hill agonisingly and finished second. Um, but look, you know, getting back to Rantum, you know, pick this year, Manila Indo, similar to, 
to put the kettle on and one or two others. I'm, I'm happy with the position I'm in. He, he looked the one to take out last year's RSA. He, he chased a very hot pace by, with, with Alaho. He looked about half an hour the best horse in the race, and he got his pocket bit by Champ, who was tailed off at the top of the hill and just mm. picked up the pieces late on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's proven around Cheltenham twice over, winner of an Albert Barlett, second in an RSA. Won round Wexford first time this year, which I didn't think he was capable of doing. I thought that was a bogey track. He, he won well there. Obviously, you know, he won round one at an avenue. That, so everything about Miller-Lorendo this season is going in the right direction. Yeah. He's, he's well be he's proven. He'll run in maybe one or both of those two races in Leopardstown against, his, you know, his own um, counterparts. And uh, hopefully he comes through and, and sets himself up for, for a tilt at the Gold Cup because I think he's definitely got a, a big one in him so um maybe this year but if not the year after so manila indo still eight to one as it stands um delta work then at a big price jump well enough 33 to one ed yeah i just thought again from a price perspective given that i, I can't see him going off anywhere near that he, he, Andy makes he made a comment that he doesn't jump well enough he probably didn't in the gold cup last year but again I, I just think he's, he's best form in Ireland. He puts him right in amongst the right well, official figures. Anyway, he's pretty much bang there with all of these, and I, I think he's a he's a fair old price. I think they've got him fourth favourite to win the the race uh, over Christmas. Um, given he's kind of been there and done it, I wonder if he's a bit big for that around the five to one mark. But anyway, I just thought thirty three to one again. I wouldn't be at all surprised if you won the Irish Gold Cup or won the Savills Chase, and uh, I see him starting about a ten twelve to one poke on, on purely on that basis of again, where else is he going to run? There's no no, no danger of him going elsewhere. And uh, yeah. I, I take Andy's point. I, I'm still got sour grapes after I was on Lost in Translation and Santini win only for the Gold Cup last year. So um, just had to just just, just to hide hide uh, in the back of a <laughs> in the back of my bedroom. Just sat down, winced after that. But um, yeah, it it just uh, it's a funny it's a funny race. I mean, Champ with a lot of negative vibes about that horse at the moment. I see Nicky Henderson saying, you know, potentially we might not see him until January. Now he's got a crucial bit of work to come. So. Uh, that wouldn't exactly be getting you enthusiastic about the RSA chase winner. But of those at the top of the market, I'm, I, I basically, I, I really like Manella Indo. I think just rock solid. Um, the kind of pecking order is going to get sorted out to some extent over Christmas, isn't it? Especially if we do get uh, Champ, Delta Work, Presenting Percy and Manella Indo all running against each other. That will kind of sort the wheat from the chaff. And in, in almost uh, moving on into almost a bizarre logic, but I cannot for the life of me ever have surname winning a gold cup yet. Yeah. If he does win the King George, he's pretty much going to be second favorite or fine for favoritism, especially if he blows him away. And um, listen to Paul Nichols, they're, they're almost not afraid to have a tilt with the gold cup uh, in yeah. go, going further forward. So he's 16 to one. I, I cannot see him. I, it just doesn't strike me as a gold cup winner yet. If he does win a King George coming through prices, he goes out there and he routes the opposition. Well, you know, what price is he? He's got to be around a five, five to one mark for, for a gold cup. And he's, he's 16s at the moment. But yeah, Manila Indo, those at the top um, for a horse, I just think will start a third. The price he is now probably down to work and surname um, a horse. He's just if you wanted value, I suppose, if, if you think he's going to win the King George, then you might as well back him for the gold cup because he'll definitely be running there if he wins the King George. Stick to one of those, that surname where it wins, wins the King's George again gets clipped in and then as soon as the Betfair exchange market takes any kind of a, a handle <laughs> suddenly it goes back out through the roof again yeah, um, yeah absolutely but uh yeah great to see both of you guys keen on Manila Indo's prospects at eight to one and 33 to one as I said for a Ed on Delta work if you disagree with Andy about the um jumping deficiencies thank you guys so much for joining me today and taking us through this Cheltenham Festival anti-post preview 
we've tried to make it as short as possible. It is definitely the longest odds checker preview ever. Um, if you've enjoyed watching, just warming this, up, like yeah. I'm just getting going. <laughs> we, we can just keep. We will do the handicaps next. Just uh, we just won't put them out. Um, do look back uh, to the horses to follow, where both Ed and Andy give us five horses each to follow over the national hunt season. Plenty of the horses they've spoken about today were featured on there. Uh, we'll be doing Ed and and I will be joined by Andrew Thornton next Wednesday to do a Boxing Day preview as well. So do subscribe to this podcast and all podcast platforms or do subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel as well. Please do download the Odds Checker app, the very best place for you know the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, place terms, whatever you want. If you're li- watching this this video or listening to this podcast, it's because you clearly have an interest in racing and in punting and therefore the odds checker app is a must download do enjoy the racing and most importantly we can't stress enough please do gamble responsibly 